Well, if you're here during second service, you'll notice that we have a deaf community that sits in this section here. And they're actually up here with me and Sister Clara. And they're going to join the worship team in sharing a prayer that, G- that people would see Jesus in us. And then after that, Kim Shimabuku is going to share how we can continue to follow the ultimate leader to be good leaders. Let them see Let them hear. 
Just let them see you in me. If your life was a book, what kind of book would it be? That was a hard question for me. Um, I know that, you know, there's comedy books and there's horror books. And um, I think that we have seasons in our life like that. Um, you know, the Bible is something that is the, Bible, is the book that I, um, you know, identify with. I think there's so much in there. I mean, it just encompasses our entire lives, you know, the happy seasons and the sad seasons, um, you know, of health and sickness, of, of hope and faith, and, um, and I think that's just how our lives are. Do you have your whole life planned out already? I don't. <laughs> I have no idea, you know, what the rest of my life is like, um, but I know that, you know, God has a plan for my life, and I know that whatever His plan is, um, it's good. And um, I really am not worried about it. <laughs> I know that if I just, um, you know, if I'm able to listen and if I'm able to be faithful um, and follow, then he has a lot of blessings in my life. After me. Can we say thank you to Kim for sharing, as well as Sister Clara, Bev, and Pearl, Arnold, and um, Pastor Jerry, and Mary. What, a, what an excellent way for us to continue on in this series, following the ultimate leader. You know, Kim said something in that video that when we follow, then, then things will work out. You know, there are, there are things in our lives and seasons that we all go through that if we don't follow the ultimate leader, then we're going to follow emotion. You know, the Bible tells us that our life is like a story. And today we're going to talk about His story and His words. Did you know that God speaks over us every single day? In fact, when He first brought into our world into existence and everything into existence, He spoke it. But then when He created man, He formed us with His hands. He didn't speak us into existence. He wanted to be a part physically with us in the creation of who we are. And so God has his hand on us. Today we're going to learn about his story and his words so you can take out your notes from your bulletin and follow along. And if you notice, we don't have uh, points there for you to just fill in. We, what we want you to do is kind of follow along with the scripture and, and as the Lord speaks something to you, then you write that in. You write down what the Lord is asking you to do 
Otherwise, we'll stay in a template kind of way and just listen and follow along rather than invest in what the Lord is saying. So we want, we want to kind of press in a little bit more in what God is asking us to do. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. And, and so just enjoy what God is speaking. And we pray that His voice, His, His words would become something that you value and that you would understand that His words is His story and you're a part of it. In our notes in the book of Psalm, chapter 90, verse 9, it says, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Did you know that your life and my life is like a tale that is told? In other words, our life is like a story. We all love stories. We read books. We like novels or we, we like a good story. And I think the best movies that we see are the movies that have the best stories to them. Uh, I like action and adventure, but there needs to be a good story attached to it. Like, I don't like the kind of movies that uh, it, it's, it's just full of action, but there's no story. And, you know, because in the, in the movies, we suspend belief for a little while so that we could be entertained. For instance, like in the movies, you, you'll watch the hero just dodge 50 million bullets. Nobody get he doesn't even get hit. And then with like two shots, he demolishes everybody. And he has, you know, a thousand rounds in his little pistol. And only in the movies you'll see that. One of my pet peeves in a movie is when the, the hero is rescuing, like, the woman. Or, you know, she's in distress, so he rescues her. And then they're running, and then she trips. And then he has to run back and go get her. I'm like, man, leave her. Just go. That's you know, only in the movies. I really would go back and help. But it's like... Why do they do that? I guess they add suspense that way. You know, like the guy's going to get hurt or she's going to get hurt. Or, or like a martial arts movie or like a Jackie Chan movie. You'll see Jackie Chan take on 30 guys. And it's interesting. He takes them on one by one and the rest of them are in the background just doing nothing. <laughs> like waiting for him. I'd be like, let's all attack one time. Don't wait. But you, you'll see that in the movies. And that happens because they're trying to tell a good story. Now, our lives are like a story. The Bible tells us that. Some of us have more chapters than the others. Some of us will live in a different amount of capacity as far as years go by in this world. And the Bible says that in Psalm 90 verse 10, that 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Can we say those two words together? Pain and trouble. Ready? Go. Pain and trouble. We hate pain. Nobody likes trouble. We hate pain. But it's interesting that we're going to find that sometimes God uses pain to get our attention. It's a part of His story. It's a part of His words that He has given to us. That even in our story, in His story, that there's going to be pain, there's going to be trouble. We're also going to learn today that God, in all of His power, brings healing to us. But at the same time, the question is, does God heal everybody? Why didn't God heal so-and-so? Why didn't he do this? See, there's a story that everybody has because we're a part of his story. There's good news, though, because we have an author. We have someone who authors our life and the story that he's putting together. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have an author and a finisher. In other words, what God starts, he finishes. He didn't just bring you into this world and says, okay, hands off, not going to have anything more to do with you. No, he finishes what he starts. If we look at all the different stories in the Bible that, that had a, a painful plot to them or a, a painful scene in them, the story of Joseph, that he was sold into slavery, but then he became the second in command. He was thrown into prison. But then his life story continues on and he, he is actually used to save the Israelites. Or the story of Job who did nothing wrong yet lost his family, lost his wealth. But he still had his wife. But even his wife said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Imagine that for your support. You're going through a terrible season and then here comes your lovely wife. Honey, how are you? Oh, pain, suffering, but I still praise God. Well, honey, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, what kind of support is that? But even Job went through that season, but then in the end, he was given more than what he had before. How about the story of John the Baptist? John who prepared the way for Jesus. He did everything that he could to prepare the way for Jesus only to be beheaded in the end. But his story lived on. See, we're all part of God's story. It's his words. Now, you might be here thinking, boy, well, what part do I play in God's story? Because I, I'm insignificant. Why would God want to have to do, want anything to do with me? I mean, what, what part do I play? Well, God sees everything from beginning to end. He's sovereign. And so he sees everything from beginning to end. Where you are in life is not the end of your story. The seasons that we go through is not the end of the story. Remember, we have an author and a finisher. He's perfecting us. We have an ultimate leader that we follow. So we're not left by ourselves. We follow someone. Some of you, like this man we're going to learn about named Jairus, experience a pain that no one can describe. And it's found in the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. And, and so I'm going to turn there and read us this story. And if you don't have your Bible uh, and you have one, please bring it so that we can learn together and then you can open up the Word of God so that He can speak to us. But in Matthew chapter 9, I'll read from verse 18. It says, While He spoke these things to them, and this is Jesus speaking, Behold, a ruler came and worshipped him. And this is what he said. He said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So he kind of had the, the belief that Jesus would be able to heal her. And so Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came and came from behind and touched the hem of his garment, for she said to herself, if, I only, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. So keep that in mind, okay? Your faith has made you well. 
And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. Now, they had some people there playing the flute, and, and there was music there, but they had wailers, and they would... Actually, what would happen in this case, uh, some, some people who had a lot of uh, resources or wealth or those who had a lot of finances, they would actually hire professionals to wail and mourn when someone had passed away. And so they had these wailers outside, and they were wailing. And when Jesus got there, he said, oh, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Well, the professionals were like, you know, we've seen this before. We've, we've been around this many times. And so they ridiculed him, but Jesus healed her. Now, you might be thinking, well, why doesn't Jesus, why didn't he heal everybody? Why doesn't God heal everyone today? And does God still heal today? Well, in this case, Jesus healed this little girl, and she came back to life. But there are two stories that are actually taking place here. One is with Jairus, where his daughter was sick, and then she actually died, and then, was, and then came back to life. And then you had this woman who was, who was sick for 12 years. It's interesting, this little girl was 12 years old, and all her life she was well, and all of a sudden she was sick. This woman had been sick for 12 years and all of a sudden she was made well. Which indicates to all of us that in one instance, things can be going well. And then we get that phone call and everything changes. We get the test result back and everything changes. Or with this little girl, you're, 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 or with this woman, you're, you're not doing well for 12 years and then all of a sudden God brings healing. He does something. He restores your life. Maybe you're searching for something that you're, you're, you're trying to get better at or maybe you're searching for something to fulfill the void that you feel in your heart. But then you meet Jesus and then all of a sudden something changes. You see, you're a part of his story. It's his words. It's his words that bring life. And when Jesus spoke his, these words to this little girl, she came back to life. And maybe you're like Jairus. You're in this season or maybe, maybe you're not dealing with an illness or a sickness. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's your family situation or your children or your parents. Maybe it's your, your marriage. Or maybe financially or job and you're trying to find work. Maybe it's something that no one knows and you're trying to deal with it yourself. Maybe it's an addiction or, or something that you just can't shake. And God is saying, I'm here. It's my story. And my story is not done yet. I'm the author and perfecter of your faith. I'm going to continue to build in you what I began. See, earth does not hold the final chapter of his story. It doesn't end here. We learn from Jairus that pain visits every home. You know what pain does and, and sickness? It actually, it actually levels the social topography of status, of wealth, of importance and prominence. That's what pain does. Because even those who have much suffer much. Those who have very little suffer much. We, we live in a world that is suffering. 
Now, why do we live in a world that is suffering? Well, Romans 6.23, it says that for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We live in a sinful world. How many of you can agree with that? We live in a sinful world. It's full of sin because of mankind. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve was created, they sinned and rebelled against God. And ever since, we've been continuously rebelling against God every day. Even as believers, we disobey God. So we've got to continue to fight forward to pay attention to His words and His story and follow the ultimate leader because we have sin in this world. You see, when life doesn't make sense, keep following the ultimate leader because He'll begin to bring sense to everything. When Jairus told his, uh, one of his uh, subordinates to go get Jesus, that healing may take place on my daughter, he had to wait for the Lord. Not only did he have to wait, but he had to be patient enough because as Jesus is coming, here comes another woman who wants the same thing that Jairus wants, healing. And so she kind of interrupts Jesus and she gets healed. Now Jairus is just waiting patiently. But he's not waiting patiently for the healing. You know what he's waiting patiently for? The Lord. You see, many of us, we want the healing, but we don't want the healer. Jairus says, I, I, don't, I, don't want the, I don't want the healing. I want Jesus. Because if I have Jesus, I have all the healing I need. But if I just want the healing, that may never happen. That may never come to pass, but if I have Jesus, I have everything that I need because he is the healer. He waited on the Lord. Proverbs 20, verse 22, it says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will save you. He's eternal. We're in time. He's never early. He's never late. Because He's always on time to save us. Jairus waited patiently on the Lord. Did you, did you know that here's Jairus, here's Jesus, and as Jesus is coming, there's a delay. And here's where you and I sometimes become discouraged. We misconstrue his delay for a denial. And we wait for the Lord, and because it's not happening, we think, okay, he's not going to come. He's not going to help. Financially, I'm not doing well. Lord, I'm praying to you. I'm praying to you. Nothing happens. Okay, I guess the Lord is not going to help. Don't mistake his delay for his denial. He's going to come. We wait upon him. Does God help us? Yes. Does God heal? Yes. Unfortunately, he doesn't heal everyone. Now, we may think, why is that so? Why, why doesn't God Heal everyone. You know, I'm not sure why, because it's his story, it's his words, but Romans 5.12 tells us that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. That Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. You see, sickness is not a result of someone's personal sin specifically. It's a result of sin in general. The pain that you and I go through is not a result of some sin specifically, it's a result of sin in general. Now, there are sins that we commit that 
will bring in pain, but it's not to say that sin brings in pain because of the decisions we make. It doesn't say that because you did something wrong that now you're going to experience something painful. No, it can happen, but not always. That's why for some of us, we say, how come that doesn't happen to so-and-so? They're, they're, they're not even obeying God. They're living a carefree life. They're doing illegal things. And look at them. They're not getting caught. They're, they're fine. And we, we're the godly ones, and we're the ones getting sick. We're the ones getting beaten up. We're the ones experiencing wounds and, and health problems and, and sickness. Why is that happening to us? And so we start looking elsewhere rather than God's story, what God is doing, rather than what is happening in everybody else's life. There are some sicknesses, however, that are a result of personal sin. When Jesus healed a paralytic, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. And the paralytic was made well. But then Jesus found him later on. And in John 5, 14, afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. He said, stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. So even though there are some sins that are, are related to certain illnesses or sicknesses, Jesus said, stop what you're doing or, or something worse may happen. In other words, let's just say this guy who was a paralytic, we don't know what he did. Maybe he, you know, they didn't have cars, so maybe, maybe he drank too much, got on his donkey and hit an oncoming donkey. I don't know, and then got hurt. I don't know. But there are certain sins that we'll do that will result in some type of painful uh, situation that we're in or even a sickness that we'll be, we'll be in because of the sins that we've done. And God is saying, you got to shift that so that you sin no more and follow me. Remember, he said that with the adulterous woman. He told her, he said, in fact, they, they all brought her before Jesus, the Pharisees and, and the religious rulers, and they said, Jesus, see, she sinned. She's an adulterer. And the law says to stone her, put her to death. What do you say? And he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Well, they all left. But, but then Jesus addressed her and said, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And he said, neither do I accuse you. But then he said, go and sin no more. You know why he said that? Because it's his story. She's a part of his story. It's his words that he said to her that allowed her to say, wait a minute, I got to stop what I'm doing or else something worse can happen. He's the ultimate leader. We follow him. See, I, I know that there are some illnesses that are related to sin. And then there are, there are painful situations that you and I go through. Now, I don't know why God allows those things to happen. But, but I wonder if, you know, like with our kids, when our kids aren't listening, you know, if, what do we do? We usually pull them by the ear. We pull them by the ear. And, we, and we, then we speak to them. We say, you know, listen. We don't listen, and we pull their ears so that they can hear us. We do that because they're doing something that is detrimental to their health or something that is wrong or something that's going to ruin them for future growth. And we do that. It's a painful, a sharp pain. 
You know, they don't, they don't die from it. They don't die from their ear being pulled. Although we got to be careful when we do that. Some of us yank their ear and then one is lopsided. But we do that to get their attention. Sometimes God uses pain to get our attention. Now we may think, well, that's unfair. Well, you do that as a parent. God is our Father. Sometimes He brings a sharp pain to get our attention. As Psalm 119 tells us, verse 67, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. It's His story. It's His word that we follow. Now, even people who walk with God, even those who call themselves Christians or godly or those who want to live a righteous life, even they become sick. Even they go through difficult times. And it may be because of their godliness that there's pain. Wait, what? Why would God allow pain and suffering or some type of sickness in a person's life who's godly? What kind of God is he? Well, you know, Paul the Apostle, he was probably one of the most godliest people we know after he came to know Jesus. Before that, ungodly. He was persecuting Christians. And then he found Christ, and then he was a godly man who changed the world and the direction of the church. Wrote most of the New Testament. And so Paul the Apostle, he says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. He says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. In other words, he's saying, you know, I've seen it all. I've got visions from God. I, 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 I've seen the holy stuff. In other words, I could be a holy roller because I've seen wonderful revelations from God. But then he says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad. He's glad. Paul is glad. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work in me through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, let's read this together, then I am strong. See, even as a believer, we're going to go through painful situations. And sometimes it's a result of God saying, Do you go I want you to be in this place so that you can be strong. Otherwise, you're going to rely on your own strength. See, God is that smart and that wise in His story to allow pain to come into our lives. Did you know that pain can be a good thing? It can be a good thing. Pain lets us know that there's something wrong. If there was no pain and we'd step on a nail... We can die if we didn't know that nail was there. It'll get infected, bacteria will spread, poison will spread, and we can actually die. Pain can be a good thing. And some of us are looking at the pain in our life and we're saying, why is there pain? Instead of saying, Lord, it's your story. I'm a part of your story. What is your word to me? What are you doing in my life? 
Maybe it's a thorn in the side to keep us humble. Otherwise, we'd become proud. And some of us need certain things in our life to keep us humble, to keep us thankful. As Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And his, by His stripes we are healed. You know what the Bible is telling us? Jesus heals today. He still heals today. Peter talked about healing in 1 Peter 2.24. He said, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, you are healed. It's not a past tense. It's a you are. It's not a, oh, this might happen. He's saying, no, you are healed. He's speaking of what has already taken place. Now, you might be thinking, then why am I not healed? Why is not so-and-so healed? Why, is not, why aren't this, uh, these things better? How come I'm going through this? You know what? It could be plain and simple. And for many of us, this might be a shocker. Look at our next scripture, James 4.2. You do not have because you do not ask. I'm reminded of my grandchildren. Sometimes when they want another bite, they'll go, hmm, ah. That's what they'll do, hmm, ah. And I'll say, use your words. Use your words. What do you want? Oh, they'll come to the kitchen. Papa. Papa. And I say, well, what do you want? What do you want? Use your words. Oh, they'll go to the refrigerator. They'll open it up. And they're looking for snacks. Now, I kind of know what they want. But they don't get what they want if they don't ask. And we tell them, ask Papa, what do you want? We even tell them to ask one another when they take each other's toy or something. We say, hey, ask nicely. We tell our, our children to ask, but when it comes to us and God, we don't ask. You may be dealing with a financial crisis. Have you asked God for help? Have you sought God? Or is it just a one-shot deal? Lord, I need help with my finances. Two days later, he never helped. Okay, I guess God don't like help. Got any healing in my life? I need healing in my marriage, healing with my children, our, uh, our relationship. But we ask one time and then that's it. It's almost like God is saying, what do you want? Is it that important to you or is it just, uh, ah, if it happens, it happens. God says to ask Him and when we ask, we shall receive and even with our children, when, when we tell them to ask, we can fall into that same mentality with God and exclude ourselves from His story and His words. God still heals today. I don't know why He doesn't heal everybody. But again, our story doesn't end here on this earth. You know, this past week, as Pastor Marsha was saying, we had our legacy camp. Over 200 high school students from around the state of our four-square denomination came and gathered and if you saw this week, I mean, this place was a mess, and it was a good mess. If you're here Wednesday night, um, you could see what God was doing in the lives of these young children. And the lifeblood of the church is always the youth. If not in 50 years, this place would be gone. Many of us would be gone. I'd still be here, but many of you would be, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's, it's just that quick. We need 
the lifeblood of the church. And so we had over 200 high school students here. On one of the nights, we prayed for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is their spiritual language. It's, just, it's, a, it's a language that God gives so that they can pray in the way he wants them to pray. Over 100 high school students were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or their prayer language. A couple of them were healed. In fact, one of them, as you saw in the video, they were wrestling. They, they dislocated their shoulder, went to the hospital, and in two hours was in and out. First of all, that's a miracle because our hospital is busy. In and out in two hours and dislocated their shoulder, had to wear a splint. That night was healed, took off his splint and was done. He was in pain but was prayed over and was done. God still heals today. I wanted you to take a, a look at what happened this past week because you have invested in the lives of these young ones. Your prayers, your support keeps the young ones following the ultimate leader. Many of us in high school, we had no clue on who Jesus was. But because of your influence and your prayers and your support, these students get to hear about God. God is always at work because it's his story. And as we learn about Jairus and what he was going through, he needed something from Jesus. And so he called upon the name of the Lord. He wasn't afraid to beg because his daughter needed healing. And so the question becomes this. Up until what point are we too proud to ask God for help? At what point are we afraid to beg Jesus? At what point are we... Are we unwilling to say, Lord, I, I need this. I, I need you in my life. I need this relationship with you. See, Jairus was afraid. But then Jesus, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken in Mark 5, 36, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. And he said these two words, only believe. Do you believe that Jesus can do something in your life? Do you believe that he can bring healing, restoration, that he can bring the help that you need. Jesus can because at any time, sickness can happen. At any given time, healing can happen. At any given time, our finances can go bad, but at any given time, our finances can be restored. At any given time, our marriage can go bad, but at any given time, a marriage can be restored. At any given time, our children can go through a certain season or an illness or even have a difficult time in their life, but at a at an instant, that can all be turned around because of what Jesus is able to do. It all comes back to his story and his words as Proverbs 25, 11 tells us that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in, sil in settings of silver. A word, just a word. We can speak words of life. We can speak words that God speaks to us. We can listen to his word. Did you know that unbelief hinders the work of God? Remember Jesus when he went to his hometown in Nazareth could only heal so much because of their unbelief. And he said it himself, a prophet is not welcomed in his own hometown. And so it is with us. Do we welcome Jesus? Do we, do we understand that it's his story and his words, that he is the ultimate leader? Maybe it's not a sickness that you're dealing with. Maybe it's something else. Your marriage is dying or, or maybe your passion is gone or your joy is gone. Maybe your dreams or the potential that you once had, you, you felt like, ah, it's no longer there. Or maybe your faith 
is on the brink of extinction and you don't feel that you have, any, you don't have faith anymore in God. Oh, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, it says, Call to me and I will answer you. But then he says this, I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. He says, call to me. In other words, use your words. Don't just go to God and say, ah. He says, you call unto me. You see, your worst day can be your greatest day when you call upon him. And if you trust in him, he will always, always give you a happy ending. Because we've got to remember, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. On this side of eternity, the story is not finished. Earth doesn't hold the final chapter. Here, here's, here's a sobering thought. Now, not to put, you know, not to, to bring, to, you know, not to diminish what Jesus did in raising Lazarus from the dead, this child from the dead, or healing sick people. But those who he healed, the paralytic... The paralytic passed away. The woman with the flow of blood that was healed, she died. Lazarus, his good friend, Mary and Martha's brother, who he called out of the grave, whom nobody had faith that Lazarus would come back to life. Jesus brought him back to life, but Lazarus died too. Sometimes people would say, well, it's a lack of your faith. Well, it may not be your faith that will bring the healing. Did you know that? Four friends brought a paralytic to Jesus, and Jesus said to the paralytic, because of their faith, you're healed. It can be other people's faith that heals you. Or in Lazarus' case, no one had faith, faith for Lazarus, but in God's sovereignty, he, he brought Lazarus back to life. So what's the point? What's the point of us having faith? No, faith is included in it. But it's not going to always be your faith. Sometimes it'll be God's sovereignty. Because it's his story. It's his words. We've got to trust him. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the finisher. He's authoring our life. He knows what he's doing. See, death and sickness can come at any time. And death only helps us to realize that, that, that Jesus put to death, death, when he died on the cross. And those who are ready to die are really, are, are really, are really ready to live. If you can understand that death is going to come to everyone, even when we're healed, even, even though people were brought back to life, death will come to everyone. But that's not the end. We're created eternal. Jesus died to take away our fear of death. That's why he rose again to prove to us that there is hope after the grave. And he died for us to show us that death is not the end, it's a transition into the future that God has for us. Isaiah 48, verses 6 through 8, it says, You have heard many predictions and, and have seen them fulfilled, but you refuse to admit it. Now I will tell you new things, secrets you have not yet heard. They are brand new, not things from the past. So you cannot say, oh, we knew that all the time. Yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new. 
things you never heard before, for I know so well what traitors you are, for you have been rebels from birth. Jesus knows we rebel against him. We, he knows we rebel against God, but he says, I'm going to show you new things. We don't know the next scene of our life, but he does. We don't know what our life will look like. We don't know how a conflict will resolve, nor do we know how our circumstances will turn out. In God's story, we're included. We're included in it. And here's the good news. He knows all things. And so be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. He has everything in order. As Philippians 1, 6 tells us, for I'm confident of this very thing. And let's read this together. Confident of this very thing. Ready, go. That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. There is a hope. And our hope is in the ultimate leader. Don't lose faith. Trust in him. Because he'll work all things together for good. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, the joy that you have shown us and the joy that was set before you when you endured the cross, that you were able to despise the shame because you knew that there was something after the cross, that there was hope after death. We're going to experience sickness. We're going to experience pain and suffering in this world. But it's your story. It's your words that we gravitate towards. In other words, you're writing history. And we're a part of it. And some of you are here this morning and you're saying, I, I've been praying for healing. I've been hoping for healing, but I really didn't ask. I really didn't ask the Lord. Well, in faith, we're going to pray for healing this morning. And if that's you and you're saying, I'm, I'm struggling with an illness or, or maybe, maybe someone else needs healing. Your son, your daughter, your parents, a sibling or, or maybe a co-worker, someone you know. And you're saying, on their behalf, I'm asking for healing. And if that's you, could you just lift the hand? And you're saying, I need healing or someone else needs healing all over the place, all of our hands. Lord, we pray for healing. We ask you, Lord, for healing, for divine healing. It's, it's not us, Lord. But you include us in your story. We ask for your healing touch. We want you, the healer, not just the healing. We call upon you and you said you answer us. And so we pray for healing for our loved ones. We pray for personal healing, for sickness to go away, to be healed in Jesus' name, for restoration. Maybe it's healing in a relationship or an illness. Or maybe it's healing in a, a, a family or a marriage. We pray for that. We ask for healing, Lord. We contend for the healing. And we're not just going to ask this one time, Lord. We're going to continuously ask you because you're the healer. You can put your hands down. Lord, that's our prayer today, that we would be healed according to your good works. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen.